Hello and welcome to Bright Wings, children's books to make the heart soar. I am your host, Charity Hill. The purpose of this conversation is to help mothers and fathers identify books that will liberate their children to embrace truth, goodness, and beauty. Look at you. You opened a podcast that had the words Shakespeare and kids in the title. So claps for you. The Bard is an author that both attracts and terrifies us, right? If you're listening, that means you're a little bit more attracted than you are terrified, or at least you hope to become so. So thanks for joining in. Listen, I want to share this story with you when I was, I recently showed up at my sister's house for a quick overnight. As we were chatting in the evening after the children went to sleep, she, was, she said like, listen, I have all these these books on Shakespeare. I've just got to show you. They're really beautiful. And I said, oh, really? You've got to be kidding me. She's showing her me her books. They're the same books that I have in my van. And guess what they are? The same Shakespeare picture books. And even weirder, we were having this conversation on April 23rd, Shakespeare's birthday. Dun, dun, dun. Coincidence? Perhaps not. So I think this podcast is meant to be. My sister, Catherine Leano, she very carefully researched her choices in these books and purchasing them was very thoughtful and intentional. Sometimes I feel that I'm just blundering around the library seeing what's out there. So to have Catherine uh, choose the same books that I did and think they were very high quality makes me feel confirmed in my choices, confirmed in my discernment. You might remember Catherine Leano from a couple of other podcasts, one called Bloom Where You're Planted and another called gardening as humanizing. Turning back directly to Shakespeare, as I was preparing for this podcast, I thought, well, when was the last time I actually read Shakespeare? Shakespeare definitely falls into the category of things that I love but don't make time for. And I wonder about you. If I had all of you, my listeners, in one big conference room, hopefully it would be a big conference room, (laughs) uh, I would love to survey you and ask you if you've read any Shakespeare in the last year on your own or with a group of other parents. What about in the past five years, right? I wonder how many hands we would see. Now, if I asked you all the same group in the same room, how many of us have seen a Shakespeare play or maybe a movie version of his play in the past one to five years, perhaps we'd get a few more hands. Maybe some of you who are teachers have a community to read Shakespeare in or a community to read Shakespeare for, right? When we have a community of readers that we belong to or that we are responsible to, this really helps us. It really helps our humanity. It supports us. And we need that because I think, sadly, the intimidation factor with Shakespeare can be quite large. When I think back on my experience of reading Shakespeare, mostly in school, let's face it, I remember being kind of intimidated. I remember the class being scared. But then I remember thinking, oh, this isn't so bad. I'm really enjoying this. And I think that was the really the experience of the whole class, to be surprised by how much they could understand, what pleasure that understanding gave them, and how meaningful it was to read. We were secretly, or not so secretly, really enjoying it. So I think As I said, kind of in my opener, two things are true about Shakespeare. One, we're kind of scared. And two, we know he's really rich. And when we have a community of readers for which we are responsible, such as our children or our class, this motivates us to dive into some of his richness. 
And I think this is true for so many topics, but particularly Shakespeare. Honestly, when uh, children's books are a favorite way for me to meaningfully explore important topics. For example, everything I know about black holes, everything I know about physics, I didn't really learn in high school, but I learned alongside my children from children's books. I think we don't need to be afraid about looking foolish. Let's remember why we read him, why we read the bard. He deeply understands and shows to us the depths and the heights of the human heart. He shows us our goodness, our depravity. He holds the mirror up to us. We see that we're capable of great loyalty, of betrayal, pride, fear. We recognize in his plays our courage and our love. We recognize the sweetness and the goodness and the foolishness of youth. We see the grave weight of human decisions and human actions, especially in his tragedies. And just as Shakespeare presents the whole panoply of the human condition, the human heart, the full range of virtue and vice. His plays, too, were written for the whole panoply of the human audience. So rich and poor, people of all classes, people of all trades. As Shakespeare composed his plays, he had in mind the half-drunk or the all-drunk groundlings, as well as the saints and the academics in the audience. Shakespeare wanted his plays to be accessible to all, and seeing his plays live can just blow your mind. It absolutely blew my mind when I saw his plays live. It woke up my wits. I understood tricky dialogue so much better when it was spoken as a conversation. Dialogue interpreted by the actors is really living dialogue. You could see the character development. So throwing aside literature a second... My greatest recommendation, if you have kids younger than high school and you want to explore Shakespeare, take them, if you can, to a high school's production of a Shakespeare play. Or if you can't do that, maybe you can find a Shakespeare in the park, bring the bug spray and lots of wonderful snacks. See how long your kids can last. See what they can do. They might surprise you. I mean, once upon a time, we went to a very small production of Midsummer Night's Dream with, I think, our children were nine, six, and the twins were three. They did The twins did not stay seated, but it didn't matter because we were outside. I think they had chocolate chip on their face by the end of the play. But everyone was very happy, mama included. So maybe you can add that to your list of fun possibilities for the summer. But if you're not quite there yet, where should you start? One of the best books that I've found for piquing interest in Shakespeare is a book called Will's Words, How William Shakespeare Changed the Way You Talk by Jane Sutcliffe, illustrated by John Shelley. It demonstrates how the words that William Shakespeare collected and wove into his plays permeate our language to such an extent that we can hardly speak English of more than a few sentences without repeating something that William Shakespeare has given us. So the author Sutcliffe will give us a scroll where a phrase from a play is used, such as, for goodness sake. She explains to us what it means, and she tells us from what play it comes from, and she tells us how we use it today, if the meaning is different from how Shakespeare used it. So this is so fun and attention-getting. 
check out the phrases such as, okay, so for goodness sake, what's done is done. Too much of a good thing. Even the word outbreak, excitement of a sudden, wild goose chase, the word fashionable, money's worth, hurry with bated breath, a sorry sight, heart's content, well-behaved, send someone packing, love letter, laugh oneself into stitches, foul play, make your hair stand on end. I could go on. It's just so fun. It's so fun. I love words and I love exploring where they came from and how we use them. And it's a book that would interest and surprise your children. Plus, the illustrations are great. They're part old style art and part cartoon. Next, I want to tell you about some marvelous retellings of Shakespeare's plays. And I want to explain to you that I think this is totally legit, that I think I wouldn't want to even call them abridged versions. I want to think of them as retellings because the originals are plays. And what I want to be able to give my children is when they say, oh, what's Macbeth about? We can turn to a beautifully done, beautifully illustrated, age-appropriate picture book. Typically, I don't really favor abridged versions, but when it comes to Shakespeare, the need to overcome the intimidation factor is so great. Plus, you can never really exhaust the meaning of Shakespeare. So a retelling, I think, is fine, is good, is a great place to begin. Besides, not only is it rather impossible to exhaust Shakespeare's meaning, but there are so many rich interpretations, rich ways of staging Shakespeare that add meaning, that add perspective, that grant insight. And so I see these retellings for children as being a kind of faithful creativity to the bard. These retellings are like staging the play in a particular way. I think it's unlikely a child will say, oh, I don't need to read Romeo and Juliet. I've already read it as a picture book. So I think these retellings are a beautiful way to begin. So does this make sense to you? Don't be scared of using a retelling. I don't think you're doing anything wrong. So this is me cheering you on. Some of the most readily available retellings are by Bruce Coville. Though Colville is the constant retelling, so he's the, const- he's the constant author of these books. Each of these books, almost each of these books has their own illustrator. Each of these illustrators is just radiantly beautiful, really wonderful illustrations. Coville's retellings are wonderful, not only because the illustrations are radiant, but because he's quoting the plays, very same words. He narrates lucidly. He gives a great sense of each play in a way that is sensitive to a child's maturity. So he takes out the body parts, B-A-W-D-Y. And he does not give the same emphasis to the deaths and the killings that are often a part of the original play. For example, some of the sharp words and the fighting, the storminess in Romeo and Juliet is somewhat muted, as well as at the end Romeo and Juliet's double suicide, it's not emphasized so much that it's a suicide. They clearly gently do themselves in. But you might not have to field any suicide-related questions. What's very much emphasized is how their deaths end the feud and bring the Capulet and Montague families together. Quote, but with their lives so needlessly lost to their families' hatreds, the young lovers had at last brought peace. Capulet and Montague, united by grief, pledged an end to the feud. In time, they raised statues of Romeo and Juliet, statues of purest gold to mark such a true love, so that the two tragically parted in life, 
would be ever remembered together in their death. So that's from Bruce Coville's retelling of Romeo and Juliet. His retellings also include Hamlet, Twelfth Night, A Midsummer Night's Dream, Macbeth, A Winter's Tale, and The Tempest. Another beautiful way for Shakespeare to be retold is the way that it's done by Michael Rosen. I have before me a version of Romeo and Juliet by Michael Rosen and illustrated by Jane Ray. Just opening up the book, you will see something that Michael Rosen very helpfully included, which was a list of the characters which are illustrated. I wish such a thing had been included in the Coville versions. Rosen does things a little differently. He slightly narrates and quotes large parts of the play. But even in his narrative portions, he's quoting the play as well. They stand out from the rest of the paragraph because they're in bold. Also on the side, running alongside of the main body of the text, he defines certain words. So the formatting of the text reads downward, almost like reading the original. Rosen's telling is much more dramatic, however, and the illustrations which accompany such a telling are necessarily more graphic. More harsh words are used and directly quoted, and the, the death scenes definitely are depicted with some blood. Sorry to say, as far as I can tell, he only wrote the one. He only wrote Romeo and Juliet. However, he did write one on the life of Shakespeare called Shakespeare, His Work and His World by Michael Rosen, and it's illustrated by the wonderful Robert Ingpen. In this book, not only does he give us information on the life of Shakespeare, but towards the back of the book, he helps us think about the certain scenes from plays. He gives an excerpt and then helps us unpack the meaning. Looks closely at four of them from A Midsummer Night's Dream, Macbeth, King Lear, and The Tempest. Then he goes on and talks about how Shakespeare is able to make us feel the experiences of the character. And so he examines Romeo and Juliet briefly to help us understand this. And nothing is better than Ingpen's illustrations. Especially, let's just say in contrast to a couple of books on Shakespeare I found by Marsha Williams. She has two different volumes, each with seven plays. And I have to say, I don't have a high regard for these two books. In case you're looking online for good books on Shakespeare, I would warn you away from these two. The illustrations are so extremely busy that you can hardly figure out what to focus on. Very cartoonish with a line or two underneath explaining what's going on in the picture. And then all around in the margins are little characters that say this and that about the play or about the playwright, making up their own meta narrative about the play or around the themes of the play. I think the whole visual experience is supposed to be really cute and fun and energetic. I think that was perhaps the intention. Like I said, it's very busy. It's not what I would call detailed. I would say it's busy. So that's my thought on those two volumes by Marsha Williams. But let me move on and tell you about more good books. As I was researching for this episode, I came across retellings of Shakespeare by E. Nesbitt, Edith Nesbitt. She is an English writer who lived and published between 1886 and 1924. I learned that she wrote or collaborated on more than 60 books for children. Recently, I have become more acquainted with E. Nesbitt. She's written a book called Five Children and It, The Phoenix and the Carpet, The Treasure she Seekers. Anyway, I'm becoming more acquainted with her in recent couple of years, and so it was fun to discover that she'd done retellings of Shakespeare. I know of four volumes from her. Beautiful Stories from Shakespeare for Children, one called The Best of Shakespeare, retellings of 10 classic plays, and then one called The Children's Shakespeare, and then the other one called Shakespeare Retold. I have the first two in front of me. Okay, first, Beautiful Stories from Shakespeare for Children, edited by E. Nesbitt. 
It was originally published in 1907, I believe, and they're, they're like eight-page summaries of all these Shakespearean plays. Nesbitt's a little bit unusual to me because sometimes she speaks directly to the reader and then switches perspective. And she sometimes opens her stories this way in this volume. The illustrations are a little funny as they seem to depict children from the early 1900s wearing costumes from the Renaissance as the characters in the place. So they're full color illustrations of figures that remind me of the figures on Trader Joe's grocery shopping bags. But I have to say they're better than than the black and white photographs that are act as illustrations to a shorter version of the same stories in a smaller volume. The smaller volume is called The Best of Shakespeare, Retellings of Ten Classic Plays by E. Nesbitt. This is simply a shorter collection of the plays from the previous volume I talked about. So it's simply a smaller collection. It's fewer plays. And so the writing is still very high quality. If you obtain this volume, it's a good way to try things out. But the illustrations are black and white photos of taken from plays by the same title. I was not able to get my hands on a copy of E. Nesbitt's The Children's Shakespeare, or her volume called Shakespeare Retold, but I'm sure that given that they're by her, they're of trustworthy high quality. Now, because they were retold in 1907 and not in our current day, the language is still going to be a little older, a little less familiar than it would be if someone was retelling them now. They are colloquial in their original style, but they're still 115 years old. So your child is still going to grow by encountering these stories through E. Nesbitt. FYI, listeners, I'm going to include all four of E. Nesbitt's Shakespeare books in the book list that's attached to the show notes of this podcast, so you can find them all. Another book around here that we have found delightful is Shakespeare's Storybook by Patrick Ryan. It's illustrated by James Mayhew, who you might know from the Katie in London stories. Ryan tells us about seven different folk tales that inspired William Shakespeare that acted as perhaps some of the basis for the stories that he built out into his plays. It's worth saying here, and it's worth telling your children if you do find this book, that of course the author can't know for certain the claims that he's making are true. But it's very interesting to know that such tales were around and that Shakespeare might have known them and might have used parts of them. The last book that I want to mention, I have found very inspiring, and I'm including it especially for you who are homeschooling. But fact is, if you're homeschooling, you probably already know this book because, well, it's called How to Teach Your Children Shakespeare by Ken Ludwig. It's a thick book, but don't be scared. It's really palatable. The immediate inspiration it gave me is the instructions that he gives us in the beginning about how to teach our children to memorize Shakespeare. Basically, the book begins with an argument that if we can get our children to memorize a little bit of Shakespeare, we're going to grant them entry. Lovett writes, One of my goals was to expose my children to literature of such universal depth and worth that would inspire them to want to achieve great things as they march forward into maturity. I have staked my life as a writer on the proposition that the arts make a difference in how we see the world and how we conduct our lives how we view charity to our neighbors and justice to our communities. And Shakespeare, as the greatest artist in the history of our civilization, has worlds to teach us as long as we have the tools we need to understand him. And then Ludwig notes, from a very personal standpoint, the course of Shakespeare's studies outlined in this book also provided me and my children with hundreds of hours of one-on-one time together that we would never have shared otherwise. The hours spent together have made our family stronger and more tolerant of one another. 
He points out, too, that it has practical purposes, being fluent in English, larger vocabularies, and being able to spout Shakespeare at any moment. Also, frankly, he says, opens doors for our children, which is what, as parents, we're always trying to do. Learning Shakespeare helps our children to engage their minds because he points out that Shakespeare's sentence structure often sounds odd to our ears. But not only that, Shakespeare asks us to think in metaphors because he's always using them. And I would like to add, things that sound terribly difficult to understand when read, if they're spoken, make so much more sense. So the words, conceal me what I am, sounds confusing when read, but when spoken, you know he's saying, disguise me, hide me. Within the first 20 pages, Ken Ludwig changed me from hesitant to hopeful. He very clearly and simply teaches us how to start memorizing Shakespeare. And that is the thing that really started to inspire me. And last but not least, a few books that I'm curious about have to do with Shakespeare and insults, how to be witty and insult people the way Shakespearean characters do. I haven't gotten my hands on any copies of these books and I'm hesitant to buy them with my own money. And so I'm wondering if any of you out there know whether they are all just simply offensive and too cheeky, or if they actually are clever and help you to use your words um, in creative ways. So um, if anyone, if any of you listeners has an idea about some of these Shakespeare insult books, let me know. My guess is that they're for the 13 plus crowd. Anyway, I'm interested. Well, I can say that I've identified as a priority an encounter between my children and Shakespeare this summer in the form of a play. So I'm definitely going to pursue that. And I'm going to see if I have the wherewithal to memorize some Shakespeare along with my children. My two eldest have been reading him in school, my fifth grader and my eighth grader. Perhaps it'll be easy to add seasoning since the kettle's already boiling. Of course, I would be remiss if I did not leave you with the bard's poetic kiss. So in closing, let me cite him to you. All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances. And one man in his time plays many parts, his acts being seven ages. 